Hello, welcome to the podcast of Chesbro Baptist Church. This morning's message will be out of 1 Kings chapter number 22. And the title of the message is The Attitude Needed for Seeking the Will of God. Please enjoy. All righty. If you have your places in 1 Kings chapter 22, please stand, respect and reverence the word of God. We're going to read five verses this morning. 1 Kings chapter 22 and verse number 1. Three years passed without war between Aram and Israel. In the third year, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. Now the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us, and we are still doing nothing to take it out of the hand of the king of Aram? And he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Moreover, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire first for the Lord. Inquire first for the word of the Lord. And the title, kind of working title of the message this morning is The Attitude We Need to Have When Seeking the Will of God. The Attitude We Need to Have While Seeking the Will of God for Our Lives. So let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you once again, Lord, for the gathering of your people. And Lord, I pray that you'd clear our minds and hearts this morning and only focus on the Word of God and what the Word of God has to teach us today. Thank you for all you've done for us. Be with us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Life is full of decisions. Life is full of decisions. It's one decision after another decision after another decision. And some decisions are really big and some decisions are really small. But every day we make decisions. And as Christians, as we make decisions, we need to make sure that our decisions are made based in the will of God and not based in our flesh. Christians don't make or shouldn't, I don't want to say don't, Christians should not make decisions based in the flesh. We should make decisions based on the will of God. We've all been there and we've all made good we've all been there when we've made good decisions and those were really good and we've all been there when we've made bad decisions. And those bad decisions can turn out to be very, very disastrous, disastrous decisions. Some, de- some big decisions in my life I know were, were the will of God. I know that marrying my wife was the will of God. I have no doubt in my mind that that was God's will for my life. Having kids when we had them, I know we prayed about it. That was, that was, that was God's will for us, coming to this church was God's will for our lives. But, you know, it's more than just big decisions. We know we face decisions every day on, should I, I've got two bills to pay. I can only pay one of them, God. Which bill do I pay? And it's it's decisions like that that we need to know the will of God. I've had some close calls too. 
I, I've had some, some, some decisions that I was going to make, and at the last minute, I listened to the Lord and backed off, and twi- hindsight 2020, I'm glad that I did not make those decisions. I look back at some of the girls I dated in the past, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for keeping me and protecting me. Okay, protecting me from harm, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, you know, and I've looked back and said, Lord, thank you for keeping me in that situation. And then there's the bad decisions, and we've all been there. And I really don't feel like coming up here and giving you an example of a bad decision that I've made. Okay, but we've all been there, and we've all made those bad decisions. Those decisions made outside the will of God. Those decisions made in the flesh. So what I, what I want to do today is I want to see how can I prepare myself to make decisions based in the will of God. We make decisions every day as parents. You make decisions at school. You make decisions at work. You make decisions at home. And every day we make decisions. And I want to be the kind of Christian that makes decisions based in the will of God. So how do I do that? How do I prepare myself to make decisions based in the will of God? Well, there's a story here in 1 Kings, and this story is also in Chronicles. But there's a story here in 1 Kings that I believe that can help us. We've got three characters or three players, they're real people, but three characters in our story today that we're going to talk about. The first man we're going to talk about is a king named Ahab. Now, we've talked about Ahab several times, especially over the past couple weeks. But Ahab is the wicked king of the northern kingdom of Israel. At this point, the kingdom has been split, and you've got the southern kingdom of Judah, which is where Jerusalem is, and then you've got the northern kingdom of Israel. And Ahab is king of the northern kingdom of Israel, and Ahab is a very, very wicked, wicked king. Ahab is not only a Baal worshiper, but he has a very infamous wife named Jezebel. Jezebel was Ahab's wife. Ahab is going to be our baseline wrong decision today. He's going to be our baseline wrong decision. He's making decisions manipulated by the devil. He's manipulated by demons. And he represents the course of this world. He represents a decision made in the flesh. And that's what Ahab is going to represent today. The second person we're going to talk about is another king, His name is Jehoshaphat. I always called him, I've called him for years Jehoshaphat, but it's Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, he's the king of the southern kingdom of Judah. And the thing about Jehoshaphat is Jehoshaphat was a really good king. The Bible says that Jehoshaphat did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And man, when you look through the books of Kings and you look through the books of Chronicles and you see all the great and mighty works that this King Jehoshaphat did, and man, you think this king was this king was the bee's knees. This king couldn't do wrong. This king was a really good king. 
I mean, this King Jehoshaphat, he sent teachers out into his kingdom to teach his people the Word of God. Now, any king that does that is a really, really good king. He established a permanent military garrison in the northern frontier of Israel. He trained troops. He equipped a big army. He put down rebellions. He placed Edom under Judean control. Uh, he, he, he controlled an important caravan route through when he took control of Edom. And, and, and the Bible says about Jehoshaphat that he, that he did so right in the, in the eyes of the Lord that no, nobody came to war against Jehoshaphat while he was king. Um, he made judicial reforms and religious reforms. And uh, he, he, he even was in charge of an army. Uh, he was a famous battle that Jehoshaphat was in charge of, and he put a praise team, he put the Levites in front of the battle, praising God and playing, playing instruments and praising God. He went into battle with a praise team leading it, and they ended up winning the battle. Another thing that Jehoshaphat did is the Bible says that Jehoshaphat sent all of the Sodomites out of the land. He got them out of the land. He got, the Bible also says that Jehoshaphat got rid of all of the idolatrous places, high places. Now, I have to preface this. King says that he didn't get rid of the high places. And Chronicles says that he did get rid of the high places. So which is right? Both is right. Because there are two kinds of high places. A high place is a shrine or something you go to, it's in a forest, it's on top of a mountain, it's in a hill, it's in a cave, and it's a shrine you go to to worship something. Well, there were idolatrous high places that worshipped false idols, and then there were high places that worshipped Jehovah. Okay, So what he did is he didn't get rid of the high places that worshipped Jehovah, but he did get rid of the high places that worshipped the idols. Now, God doesn't like high places that even worship him because he, you know graven images. He doesn't like that kind of worship. He knows that will lead to idol worship, okay, which, is, which happens every time. So, you know, Jehoshaphat wasn't a perfect king, but still Jehoshaphat was a really, really good king. So overall, we have this king who's a really, really good king, and uh, he does some really good things. But in a minute, you're going to see Jehoshaphat make a really boneheaded decision. You're going you're to see him make a really, really boneheaded, really dumb, dumb decision, okay? So we're going to see that. So our characters so far is we've got Ahab. Ahab's a wicked, wicked king of Israel, northern kingdom, really bad guy, Baal worshiper, husband of Jezebel. We've got Jehoshaphat, who's a really, really good king. He sent people out the land, to teach people the word of God. He's done all of these things for the southern kingdom of Judah. And then we've got our third character this morning. Uh, I say, remember I say character, but these were real people. Our third character is a prophet named Micaiah. A prophet named Micaiah. Now Micaiah was a prophet unlike all of the other prophets. And of course we're going to talk about Micaiah more whenever we get to that prophet in our story. 
So we're, gonna, we're, we're not going to look at Ahab as much because Ahab is, represents the wicked. He represents the lost. He represents those going the way of the devil. And until they repent, there's nothing we can do for them. Which, by the way, the Bible does say that Ahab, near the end of his life, did repent. Okay, but but we're not going to talk about Ahab right now. What we're going to talk about this morning is we're going to talk about Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. And we're going to talk about this prophet named Micaiah, because in this story, both these men have decisions to make. They both have decisions to make. Now, their decisions are going to be in the flesh or their decisions are going to be in the will of God. And we're going to see how you make decisions in the will of God this morning. I'm here to tell you this morning that when you go into making decisions in your life, there's some qualities that you need to possess. There's some qualities that you need as you make these decisions. And if you, if these qualities are absent from your decision-making process, you will not make a decision in the will of God. You will make a decision in the flesh. You'll make a decision in the flesh. I've got three traits this morning. Probably won't be too long, but who knows? I might go longer than that. I always say that, and then I think it's going to be short, and it's not. Uh, but I've got three traits this morning on, that we need to have in order to try to make decisions in the will of God. Okay, number one, first trait we need to have, selflessness selflessness. Let's, let's read the first three verses of 1 Kings, um, 1 Kings 22. Let's read the first three verses again, and we'll be going through this chapter this morning. Three years passed without war between Aram and Israel, and the third year of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to Israel. Let's stop there. Now, I know that, Je that Jehoshaphat and Judah is the southern kingdom, but the reason why they go down to Israel and Israel's north is for two reasons. One is because the southern kingdom of Judah is geographically higher than the northern kingdom of Israel. So that's why they go down to Israel. And another thing is when you, anytime you go to Jerusalem, you're going up. So it doesn't matter if you're north, south, east, west of Jerusalem. When you're going to Jerusalem, you are going up. Okay, verse 3. Now the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us, and we still are doing nothing to take it out of the hand of the king of Aram? So years before, Ahab had kind of helped the king of Syria, which Aram, Aramian, Syrians, all the same area. He went to go, he helped the Syrians, he gave them a little leeway, and in doing so, that king said, okay, well, I'll give you these cities of Ramoth Gilead that my father took. Well, here it is a few years later, and Syria has not given those back to Israel yet. So we have Jehoshaphat, this, the king of the southern kingdom, come, coming to visit the king of the northern kingdom of Israel, Ahab. Now, now for all intents and purposes, Jehoshaphat was a good king. So why in the world would he associate himself with a guy like Ahab? 
I mean, we're talking about a king like Jehoshaphat that sent teachers out into all of his nation and taught them about the word of God. And he all, he's about doing right in the sight of the Lord. So why would he associate himself with Ahab? Ahab is a Baal worshiper. He doesn't even worship the true God of Israel. We're going to see in a second why Jehoshaphat did that. Verse 4, and he said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. You know, for all of Jehoshaphat's good deeds, for all of the great and mighty wonderful things he did for God, for following the Lord and sending out preachers and, and, and doing everything right and by the book and chasing the sodomites out of the land and tearing down the, idolat the idols and the idolatrous high places. For all of that, for as much as he wanted to please God, there is one thing he wanted a little bit more. There is one thing he wanted a little bit more than to please God. And here was what it is. Jehoshaphat wanted more than anything else. He wanted the kingdoms to reunite. He wanted it to become Israel again. He wanted the southern kingdom and he wanted the northern kingdom to come together. And maybe he heard the stories of the glory and he heard the stories of King David and when he ruled the one nation... And man, that's what he wanted. And when he thought of the northern, the northern nation of Israel and the southern nation of Judah coming back together into one nation Israel, he swelled with pride and he wanted that more than anything else. And it was one of the reasons why Jehoshaphat gave his son or let his son marry the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. And ooh, that was a bad decision. That was a really bad decision. That was going to come back and bite him because her name, Jezebel and Ahab's daughter's name, was a, a, a girl named Athaliah. Athaliah manipulated herself into becoming the sole ruler of Judah for seven years and went on a murderous, murderous rampage. That was a bad decision. But you see, as much as Jehoshaphat wanted Israel to come back together, which in and of itself wasn't a bad thing, to desire that your, that your split nation come back together, that's not a sinful desire? I don't think so. But see, here's the thing, it wasn't in the plan of God. As much as Jehoshaphat wanted the kingdoms to come back together, God allowed them to be split for a purpose, and he wanted them to stay that way. Have you ever tried to justify a decision by saying, you know what, I think God would want me to have this. I think he would want me to have it. It's noble, it's good. I think, yes, yes, God, I'm going to put words in your mouth. I think God would want me to have this. Instead of actually asking God, God, is this what you want me to have? Yeah, I think God would want me to have that. Really? Really? 
Just because a desire is not sinful does not make it right. Just because opportunity knocks does not mean you have to answer it. Okay? And just because a desire is not sinful does not mean it is a right decision. Guess what? Marrying someone is not a sin. It's not a sin to marry someone. But marrying the wrong person can lead to disaster. You understand what I'm saying here? So that, 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 that's what happened here. Jehoshaphat had something that me and you rely on a lot. You know what it's called? It's called good intentions. Man, I, but God, I got good intentions. I have all the best intentions in the world, and, and I've got good intentions. But even good intentions outside the will of God can lead to disaster. It can absolutely be disastrous. It can lead to a bad place. And good intentions is what led Jehoshaphat to go against God. Don't let your good... Christian, listen to me. Don't let your good intentions be your guide. I don't care how well intended you are. If they don't line up with the Bible, they aren't right. Okay? Do not let your good intentions be your guide. What does the Bible say about good intentions? Proverbs 16, 2. All the ways of man are clean in his own sight. Okay? But the Lord weighs the motives. Look, good intentions are not good enough. You want to know why? Because we are blind to our own faults. When we're in the situation, we can't see it. We can't see. That's why we need object objectivity. That's why we need someone outside of our situation to look at our situation. Tell me, what do you see? And that's why we need to go to God and, and, and we need to ask him. And uh, I, can't, I can't see myself as others see me. So when I make a decision based solely off of what I think is right, and I could be walking into a deep and dangerous pit. I've heard this so many times in the past couple days. Well, I feel that God wouldn't do that. Or I feel that God, that, that I just don't feel that God would do, would, 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 would do that. I just don't feel that that's right. Well, there's what you feel, and then there's the Word of God. And the Word of God doesn't care about how you and me feel. Okay? Jehoshaphat, there's another thing that Jehoshaphat did. Jehoshaphat was, for all intents and purposes, he was a good Christian king. He was a follow of the Lord. He did everything right. He knew that Ahab was, a, was, was, not, was not saved. He knew that he was a Baal worshiper, an idol worshiper. He knew that Ahab didn't please God but he aligned himself anyway just so the nation wouldn't come back together. So clearly Jehoshaphat assumed the ends justify the means. And I'm here to tell you, listen to me, Christian, as a Christian, the ends never justify the means. If you have to break the law of God to do it, you've already got your answer. If, if, if Jehoshaphat would have followed the word of the law anyway, he'd have never been down there with Ahab in the first place. The ends for Christian do not justify the means. You can't go about it any way you want to do in order to get your desired result. It doesn't work that way. You have to follow the path of God. 
You have to follow the word of God. You have to follow the commandments of God. He knew that Ahab was a wicked king, but he stomached it because he wanted so bad for Israel to come back together. For a Christian, the ends never justify the means. So what fueled Jehoshaphat's bad decision? His decision outside the will of God. I believe it's selfishness. Selfishness is what fueled this bad decision. Because, you know, what, what are your motives? When you go into, when you're about to make a decision in your life, a major decision like, like a job or buying a home or marrying someone to a little decision like which gas station am I going to go to? Uh, God is in everything. To a middle-of-the-road decision like I've got these two bills to pay. Which one am I? I've only got money to pay one. Which one am I going to pay first? And all of these decisions, when you've got decisions to make, what's your motive? Is your motive to promote your flesh or is your motive to promote the will of God? There is a really interesting verse in James that I think fits Jehoshaphat really well. And it's James 3.16. And it says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Selfish ambition, I think, fits Jehoshaphat to a T in the situation. He wanted the he wanted to be the king that brought the kingdoms back together. He wanted to be that guy just like just like just as 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 popular as David was who defended the whole nation. He Jehoshaphat wanted to be the king to bring the kingdoms back together again. And you know, maybe he could have even claimed, "Oh, well I, I'm doing it for my people. I'm doing this for my people." People, but he wasn't. He was doing it for himself. He wasn't doing it for other people. He was doing it for himself because the will, the what, the best thing for the people would be for him to do the will of God. And he didn't do that. He did this all for himself. Christian, let me make this statement. Sometimes. Sometimes God doesn't want what you want. Now, underneath the piece of paper with the with the with the with the title hard pills to swallow, that's number 1. Sometimes God does not want what you want. Now, I don't mean to sound that that's not supposed to be discouraging because God wants something better for you. God always wants better for us than we want for ourselves because we think we know that a, a million dollars uh, would make us happy, but God knows a million dollars would ruin our family. See, he knows and we don't. Okay, that's why he's the father and we're not. That's why he's the creator and we're not. That's why he's omniscient and we're not. Okay, so you, you know what, what you want and God wants, what God wants isn't always going to line up. But I can promise you this. He always wants something better for you than what you want for yourself. So let me say this before you make a decision in your life, whatever the decision is, do this. Check your selfish desires at the door. 
Leave selfishness behind. Leave it at the door. Don't take yourself into consideration when you make a decision. Take God into consideration. Put Him first instead of putting yourself first. That's being selfless. Okay? Put others first. The Bible says we're to prefer others over ourselves. So put God first, then put others, and put you dead last. And that's being selfless. Now, Micaiah is an example of selflessness. But I'm not going to talk about Micaiah until we get to him in the story. So number two this morning, first, uh, we have selflessness. And number two, we have sincerity. Sincerity. If you want to make a decision, the ad, you better have a sincere attitude going into making a decision for the will of God. Let's look at verse number five. Moreover, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire first for the word of the Lord. Now, I've got some things to say about this verse here. Please, oh, just, uh, please just inquire first. Do that first. Go to God first. Now, it sounds like a really good thing in and of itself. I mean, I mean, the first thing is, you know, this is a good thing to ask for. We're supposed, we're commanded to go to God. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and, and we're commanded to go to God and ask His counsel. We are commanded that in Scripture. We're to, man, seeking God's counsel before a decision will save you so much pain. It'll save you so much trouble. It'll save you so much heartache than just jumping off the gun and making the decision without counseling God. So this, 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 this is a good thing. And it was a new thing in Israel. So many times they've been asking prophets of Baal and prophets of Asherah and, and things like that. And they've been asking that they never consulted a prophet of the Lord before. And so this, this sounds like a good thing. It was a refreshing change. But there's a problem with this. So Brother Brett, Jehoshaphat just said, inquire first. What's wrong with that? Well, there is a problem with it. Because you see what he said. He said, inquire first the word of the Lord. Only it wasn't first. He didn't do it first. He didn't go to the Lord first. The treaty has already been made. He's already agreed to go to battle with Ahab. I mean, the verse before it says, he told Ahab, I am as you are, and my people as your people, and my horses are your horses. We're the same. We're in this together. I'm going. My people's going. My people are your people, and my horses are your horses, and we'll be in battle together, and we'll go there, and I'll go with you, and we are the same. And we have the same goal. Oh, but let's ask the, the, the Lord first. Oh, you've already made your decision. So was he asking for God's guidance? Or was he asking for God's permission to do something he already decided to do? You see, and that's what's, that's what's going on here. Jehoshaphat knew the situation uh, he knew that this. He knew that this was a uh, this this was a bad situation here. 
He knew that Ahab was a Baal worshiper. He worshipped idols. He knew that all these prophets he was about to call were super phony. He smelled a rat. Hey, and as a, as a Christian that has the Holy Spirit, you're going to be able to smell a rat. When something isn't right, you'll smell it and you'll know it. you got the Holy Spirit in you. But you know what, Jehoshaphat, he went on and made a bad decision. Why? Because... Yeah, he inquired of the Lord, but it wasn't sincere. It wasn't sincere because he had already made up his mind. He had already made up his mind before he went to God. And that's why his request to God was insincere. Are you like Jehoshaphat? Are you asking for God's guidance? Or are you asking for God's permission to do something you've already made up your mind you're going to do. Once you make up your mind, it is too late. You can ask my wife. When I've got it in my mind to do something, I'm going to do it, okay? That's just me. When I make up my mind to go somewhere, I am going to go there. <laughs> but you know what? Um, let me give you some examples of this. A young man dates a girl, falls in love with this girl, head over heels love with this girl, and then goes to God, God, um, do you want me to marry her? It's too late. It's too late. It's too late. You've, you've, it's, it's too late. You've already made up your mind. Don't go to God now. You, you've already... You've already made up your mind what you're going to do. And it because it doesn't matter what God says at that point, you're going to do what you want to do. That's why it's always important to date with a purpose instead of dating for fun. Date with a purpose of marriage in mind. Don't just date for fun. Hey, look, look, look. Dating for fun can be fun, but it can also lead to the big D, and I don't mean Dallas. You get the Jeep and she gets the palace, okay? <laughs> That's what it can lead to. Date with a purpose, okay? And then here's another thing. You make a decision, and then you come to the preacher. You come to the preacher, and what you want is you're hoping for the preacher to give you the permission to let you do the thing you've already decided to do. And that's not how this works either. That's not, that's not how it works, okay? This is an insincere request because you have no intention of following God. None. You know what? You're not seeking guidance. You know what you're seeking? You're seeking absolution. You're seeking absolution for a decision you've already made. Verse 6 and 7. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go against Remeth Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Now Ahab relents and asks, finally breaks down and asks prophets to prophesy on whether they should go up to battle against Ramoth Gilead or not. But the thing about these prophets that come up is these prophets are yes men. That's all they are. They are yes men. And they are there to tell the king only what he wants to hear. Now let me say this. 
These 400 prophets, they are not prophets of Baal. Why, does anybody know why they're not prophets of Baal? Because Elijah's already taken care of the prophets of Baal. Um, he's already kind of cut them out. So these are, these are more than likely prophets of Asherah. Okay, Asherah was the god, the goddess that Jezebel the, worshipped. So these are more than likely prophets of Asherah. So old Jehoshaphat, he's sitting back and, and, and you read the story Man, these kings, they are so full of themselves. They are standing, they are sitting at the gate of the city in regal robe, up high on thrones, outside, outside the city, just putting on this big show. 400 of them and they're dancing and they're, they're, they're yelling and they're screaming and they sound like heathens and they're doing this and that and the other and they're saying, oh, they're all saying the same thing. Oh, go up. I mean, 400 people, not one different message. They all say the same thing. And old Jehoshaphat, he may be a backslidden Christian, but he's looking at this going, uh, something's not right here. Uh, this is... Something's going on here. This isn't too kosher. This doesn't seem. Uh, this doesn't seem godly to me. This doesn't seem. Uh, this doesn't seem right at all. So even he looks. Even though he's backslidden, he looks cross-eyed at this situation. Verse seven: Is there not? This is this is Jehoshaphat. Is there not yet a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Jehoshaphat knew these guys were phonies. He knew. They were phonies. And he's like, hey, can, can we get a real man of God in here? Is that okay? Can we do that? Can we get a real man of God in here? I mean, I know I've already made my decision. I'm going to do it anyway. But if I'm going to get somebody to give me permission to do it, I want the guy to be legit. Okay? So it's like, can we get a real man of God in here? Oh, and Ahab takes a deep breath. And he says, well... There is one guy, but man, do I hate him. I hate him. His name, oh, I don't even want to say it. His name is Micaiah. Oh, I hate Micaiah. I absolutely, I hate Micaiah. But there is one guy. You know, old Ahab lost many sleepless nights, spent many sleepless nights tossing and turning in his bedchamber, thinking about the prophecies that were, that, were, that were prophesied by old Micaiah. Old Micaiah got in the king's craw, you know, and you know, any prophet that Ahab hates is probably a good prophet, okay? Probably a good prophet. And, and the reason why Ahab hate him is he says he does not prophesy good concerning me he prophesies evil well of course you've got a leather long prophet that ain't afraid of the king that's going to stand up and speak the truth well of course the king Ahab isn't going to like old Micaiah so Ahab called Micaiah up from prison Micaiah was in prison he was in prison when they called him up and while all the prophets of of Asherah were dancing and prophesying in front of the two kings. They went and pulled Micaiah out of prison. And, and, and they pulled him out of lockup. Verse 13. 
Then the messenger who went to summon Micaiah spoke to him saying, Behold now the words of the prophets are uniformly favorable to the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. So we've talked about the decision so far that Jehoshaphat had to make. Now let's introduce this guy named Micaiah because Micaiah has a decision to make too. And let me tell you something, it would be very easy for Micaiah to make this decision in selfishness. It'd be very easy for him to do it. Number one, all the other prophets are going the same direction. Man, it, all he's got to do is agree with them. Man, agree with them and he's not out there by himself anymore. Agree with all the other prophets of the ministerial association and man, he'll get in there and he'll start rubbing elbows with them. He'll start preaching revivals for them. Man, you come out, you can preach a week at my church and then you can come and preach a week at my church and preach a week at my church. But if you go preach over there at that church over there, over that guy over there, you know, then you can't preach at all our churches anymore. Okay, and so, you know, so it'd be very easy for him to just rub elbows with all these other ministerial guys that are going with the flow and not ruffling any feathers and not speaking the truth. Because sometimes it can get lonely. Truth, truth can make you lonely. Because no, not everybody likes truth. Not everybody likes truth. Truth can make you lonely. So all of these prophets are pressuring him to make the wrong decision, make a decision out of self-preservation, a selfish decision. Number two, he knows the king has the power to kill him. Now, the king has already locked him up once for telling him the truth. So the next step is probably he thinks in his mind is execution. Man, I stand in front of this king, and if I don't tell this king what he wants to hear, there's a chance he could take my life. And then, of course, the very third thing is his freedom. He's locked up. Man, I would hate to be in prison. I don't think prison is a fun thing to do. And so then, you know, you've got Micaiah thinking to himself, man, if I tell the king what he wants to hear, he might give me my freedom back. So he has all this pressure on him to make a selfish decision. What was his answer? Verse 14. But Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I shall speak. Micaiah had already made a decision. I am not going to go against the word of God. I'm not going to do it. If Jehoshaphat had made that decision in the beginning, he wouldn't be there with Ahab in the first place. I mean, Jehoshaphat knew the Bible. He knew that, 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 that Ahab was an idol worshiper. He knew the commandments. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. That was the first thing. He, he, you know, God is against idol worship. And, Jeho and Jehoshaphat would have followed the word of God. He wouldn't be in that situation in the first place. And this Bible will make 90% of your decisions for you. Hey, this Bible does not tell you who to marry. It doesn't give a name, but tells you what type of person to marry. 
Okay, this this Bible does not tell you where you should work at, but it does tell you how you should do your job when you get there. Okay, but man, some people, they just throw this to the side. They don't care anything about the word of God. And Jehoshaphat, he had all the good intentions in the world. He wanted to bring Israel back together. But man, it came down to it. He disregarded the commands of the Lord and put himself. Look up this way. Look up this way. And he put himself in a very, very bad situation. He put himself in a very bad situation because he didn't want to do what the word of God said. 90% of the will of God is right there in that book. It's right there written for it. It's for us in black and white. We want to seek God's will. It's written down right here. Verse 15. When he came to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go up to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? And he answered him, go up and succeed and the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. You know what? I know. Let, Let me read that verse again. Let me read that verse again. Verse 15, and when he came to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead the battle or shall we refrain? This is the king asking him. And he answered him, go up, succeed. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. That's how I meant to read it the first time I read it. You see, the thing is, is that I know Micaiah just told, just told that messenger that he's going to tell him the truth. But the thing is, is that uh, this preacher was being a little sarcastic. Um, He was being a little sarcastic because Ahab immediately picked up on it. Ahab immediately picked up on the sarcasm that this guy was laying down. Okay, because he said in verse 16, then the king said to him, how many times must I adjure you to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And, you know, so this, you know, Micaiah, you know, he's messing around with this guy. He's being a little sarcastic with him. And the thing is, is that, you know what I love about that? Is it shows us that Micaiah had zero fear of the king. Absolutely zero fear of the king. He was all faith and no fear. And you're going to make some scary decisions in your life. Some decisions are just decisions. Other decisions are scary. Very scary. But you see, the thing is, is you always have to remember who's got your back. You have to remember that God's got your back and God can take that fear and turn it into faith. And he had so much faith that he was not afraid of the king. Verse 17 and 18. So now... Uh, Micaiah's done playing around. Playtime's over. Now it's time to get serious in verse 17. So he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each of them return to his house in peace. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Sometimes the truth hurts. The truth hurts sometimes. Micaiah said what he meant and meant what he said. Unlike Jehoshaphat, who really, he said he wanted God's guidance, but he really didn't want it. He really didn't want it. 
Let me tell you what decision time needs to be for you when it comes time to make a decision in your life, a big time, important decision. You know what decision time needs to be? Decision time needs to be brutally honest time. Brutally honest time. When it's time to make a decision, it's time to be brutally honest. It's not time to sweep stuff under the, under the rug. It's not time to put things out of your mind, to ignore things. It's time to be brutally, brutally honest. You know what you need when you have to make a big decision? Is you need somebody who will tell you the truth. You need somebody who's not going to sugarcoat it, who's not going to candy coat it, who's not a yes man, who isn't just going to tell you what you want to hear. You need, be it, be it a counselor, be it, be it a fellow Christian, or even the Holy Spirit, you need somebody who's going to hit you in between the eyes with God's honest truth. Not somebody who's going to tell you just what they want to hear. Somebody who wants something from you will tell you what you want to hear. But true friends going to be honest with you. It's going to tell you the truth whether you like it or not. Okay? And, that, and, and what you need to do is when you hear that, is you need to accept it and not dismiss it. I'm not saying let these people make the decision for you, but I'm saying... Don't dismiss it just because you don't like it. Because we're very easy to do that. We hear something that kind of hits our feelings a little bit and we're ready to get rid of it when really we need to consider it. Okay? Um, I've told y'all before how negative my dad was. And I've, I've told y'all before how I quit telling my dad what I was thinking about doing and I would tell my dad what I was going to do because he always found a way to be, to be negative. But uh, uh, time for me to be brutally honest with you. Looking back over, over the years, my dad was right a lot more than he was wrong. I'm just, uh, let's just be brutally honest here, okay? Um, he was right a lot more than he was wrong. And number three this morning, finally we have humility. Humility. Verse 26. Then the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this man in prison and feed him sparingly with bread and water until I return safely. And Micaiah said, If you indeed return safely, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Listen, all you people. See, verse 26 tells us that he returned him to where he was. So that's how we know that he was pulled out of prison in the first place. But Micaiah was sent back to prison. And when he not only was he sent back to prison, but he was given a fraction of the food and water that he had before. He got treated very, very harshly for his faithfulness. Sometimes God will give you an answer, but it's not going to be the answer you want. It's not going to be the answer you want, but what I can promise you, it is going to be the answer you need. It is going to be the answer that you need.
Let me tell you why you need humility in in decision-making. Here's why you need humility in decision-making. It takes humility to walk away from something when God tells you no. When God said, you see, here's the thing. People say, oh, God didn't answer my prayer request. God kind of always answers a prayer request because even no is an answer. It might, might not be the answer you want, but no isn't, is technically an answer. And to walk away from something you want when God tells you no is humility. Now, I know Micaiah wanted the will of God, but I also know he was human and he probably didn't want to go back to prison. But he walked away from that. He had humility and he walked away from it. Now, that's not what Jehoshaphat did. That's not what he did. You see, other people, other people, when God tells them no, they bow up like a banny rooster. Okay? I'm going to do it anyway, God. That is what Jehoshaphat did. Verse 29 and 30. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up against Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. And so the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Jehoshaphat Jehoshaphat ignored God's word. He asked for God's guidance, but he did it selfishly, insincerely, and pridefully. And he went into battle with a target painted on his back. See, and that's what happens when you make decisions outside of the will of God is you go into life with a target painted on your back for the devil. You see, Aram's men were commanded. Aram said, look, I really don't care about this battle. I really don't care if we even... The only thing I want out of this battle is I want the king of Israel dead. And how Ahab got Jehoshaphat to agree to dress up like the king of Israel and go into battle, I will never know. Because as soon as he went in the battle, Aram's men turned around and started pursuing after him because they thought he was the king of Israel, not knowing it was Jehoshaphat. And that day... Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, almost died. Ahab did die. Ahab went in there with a, with a regular soldier's uniform on, kind of, you know, riding. And the Bible says that uh, one of the Syrians took an arrow and shot it at random. And it went, and it went right in between the joints of Ahab's armor. And he bled to death in the chariot. And whenever they washed the blood of the chariot out in the city, the dogs licked up the blood of Ahab, and that fulfilled one of Elijah's prophecies. Ahab died. Now, here's the thing. We never hear from Micaiah again. We never hear from him again. But uh, there is one thing that we can say about him. Kind of the last thing Micaiah said in Scripture is kind of judge me by the word of the Lord. He said, if, 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 if you do come back, then the Lord didn't speak through me. And that's kind of saying you can judge me by the word of the Lord. And guess what? The word of God turned out to be true. So whatever happened to Micaiah, God was pleased with Micaiah.
What about old Jehoshaphat? What happened to him? Let me read you a verse in 2 Chronicles 18.31. So when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat, they said, It is the king of Israel. And they turned aside to fight against him. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him, and God diverted them from him. It turns out that as the men were coming after Jehoshaphat to kill him, that Jehoshaphat cried out to God, and God delivered him from a horrible, horrible fate. What does that mean? Let's say you've been making bad decisions. You've been making decisions in your flesh. You've been selfish in your decisions. You say you're going to ask God, but you insincerely ask God. You've already made up your mind what you're going to do. And even if God told you no, you'd still do it anyway because you're full of pride. And what I'm here to tell you today, it's never too late to repent from that. It's never too late to cry out to God. Jehoshaphat was in the middle of the consequences of a bad decision. And he cried out to God and the consequence stopped. It's never too late to cry out to God. Once you've made a bad decision, it's never too late. But did he learn his lesson? Did Jehoshaphat learn his lesson? Well, you see, at the end of 1 Kings 22, Ahaziah, Ahab's son, was king. And he wanted to make an alliance with Jehoshaphat at the end of the chapter. Oh, man, this could be the alliance. This could be the alliance that would bring Israel back together because that's what... Jehoshaphat wanted, but the Bible says that Jehoshaphat would not make the alliance. Well, what do you know? It looks like Jehoshaphat learned his lesson after all. How do you make decisions in the will of God? Well, number one, be selfless. Be selfless. Seek God's will and not your own will. Leave your own will at the door. Number two, be sincere. Don't make up your mind you're going to do something before you even ask God if he wants you to do it. Go to God first. And number three, be humble. Be humble enough to walk away when God tells you no. Because no is an answer as well.